First Chronicles chapter 4. Chapter 4, I think this is on, I'm not sure. I think it is. Okay. Just two verses. Uh, very familiar perhaps to some of you. Verse 9 and 10 of First Chronicles chapter 4. You found it? Say amen. amen. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. This morning, actually, I kind of uh, want to talk to you a little bit about my life and my testimony. It's very uh, touching couple of verses because it's, I, I identify with this so much. And uh, I pray that the Lord will help us this morning to, to see that the mighty hand of God can take a life no matter who you are, no matter what your sorrows. Sometimes we think that some people make it because they got advantages that we never had. Or they had it better than I did. There is a God in heaven. Amen. And he, he is going to do some things with some young people in this room that are going to leave, leave us shocked if Jesus doesn't come first. Father, I pray that you would help us now from your word and thank you. Thank you for your grace in our life. What would we do? Where would I be without you? Father, I pray that you'd use your word and the Holy Ghost of God take the truths of this book to every heart and from our heart to our living. To your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's a blessing to be here. I think that the last time I was here, preacher had just gotten here like two weeks before. And um, I, I said then, and I believe it now, we, we miss Brother Wilkerson. I, I've said so many times that FBC of Hammond's gain was FBC of Long Beach's great loss. And all of California, we miss him. But I know that uh, God has greatly used him here. Uh, that uh, day that I was here last speaking in chapel, we, uh, it was snowing. I remember that. It was snowing. And right after uh, um, we got done with chapel, uh, Brother Wilkerson took me to go eat this just unbelievable burrito, bro. I'm going to tell you something. Preacher knows burritos. I mean, he's not, I'm not talking Taco Bell. He, he knows. He knows. You, you ask him and he knows where. Anyway, um, I uh, have so many memories in this place and and I, I thank God. Jesus loves this church. Jesus loves this church. And, and uh, for as long as God's grace is on this work, we will continue to see great things being done here. And you're part of it. I uh, just uh, was thinking about all the plans we have for this next coming year, this year, 
we will be celebrating our 40th anniversary at Montecito Baptist. 40 years ago, I've been preaching for 43 years, and I've been pastoring there for 40. And uh, the theme for this year, preacher, is we're just getting started. That's the theme. Now, it's, it's not... It's not a boastful statement. Actually, I kind of, what it really is, is that after 40 years, I think I'm barely getting it. <laughs> and so I kind of feel, I guess we're going to get started now. We'll see how that goes. But all I can tell you is that the most surprised person of everything that has happened in my life is me. I marvel. Uh, my wife, my children never knew who I was. And sometimes I, I, I tell them my family has express things to them, and I, I don't really think they understand. I don't really think they even believe. I was sitting at a bar when I was five years old. And so my life in that way, it just took that path. And all, all I can say to you is that God's grace has been so evident in my life. We have a powerful God. And I guess that's one of the things that encourages me to press on because I know God's power to change lives. And when you, when you stop believing about the power of God to change lives, then you're, you're useless. You're, you're worthless you're, as a servant of God. And I know, I know, I mean, I'm not different than you are. I mean, sometimes somebody will come along and I'll say, Lord, I know you parted the Red Sea and created the heavens and the earth in six days and resurrected Lazarus, but then this guy, I just... I don't think so, you know. And just to see in God's timing, his grace come down and reach down on that heart and just change it and transform it and make it a trophy of his grace. And I've seen that over and over and over and over in my life. And I guess that's where it starts. See, if you're ever going to believe in the power of God to change people's lives, you need to see God working in your own life first. You know why there's a lot of Christians that are bored with their Christianity? It's been a while since God isn't doing anything in their lives. And by the way, if God's not doing anything in your life, let me give you some news. It's not because you arrived. I said it's not because you've arrived. You know, I know some of us here, you know, you're, you think you're the fourth part of the Trinity and, you know, thrice, thrice holy. And, you know, we, I, I told the folks this morning as I was preaching the first message that I, the closer I get to him, preacher, the, the more I acknowledge how far I am. How far I am. The story of Javis, I, I'm sure you've heard it before. But here is a life. Here is uh, two small verses that are right there in the middle of all these genealogies. You know, you get to First Chronicles and you kind of say, I think I'll skip this part. Nobody will know, you know. Right? And then so-and-so begets so-and-so. and you know. But there, in, in these two verses, we find a description of a young man named Jabez. The Bible says that he was more honorable. That means the, the, the Hebrew word uh, speaks about uh, success and progress and, and blessing. He was more honorable than his brethren. So immediately we find out that it's not that he had a different situation. In fact, I kind of feel he was at, did a disadvantage. The Bible doesn't tell us what was going on in that family. But obviously there was some deep sorrow going on in that family. The Bible said that his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. The name Jabez means grief. It means pain. 
Imagine, you know, somebody comes over and visits, and here's this little boy there, and, and, and he says, who's that? Well, that's my grief. Who's that? That's my pain. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us what was going on in the life of this family. But something so bad was happening. I mean, what, what could be so bad as to take a mother to, to, to put the name on this child that he would have to carry with him the rest of his life? Imagine your name. Back in Bible times, names meant something. They were given with reason. They were given with purpose. I had a, a deacon, and uh, he, he had just had a little baby girl, and, uh, and he was so proud of, of that baby girl. I went to go see her, and, and I said, she's beautiful. And, and my goodness, well, what a gorgeous little baby. And I asked him, what's her name? And he said, her name is Jezebel. I said, what? And real proud, like he said, her name is Jezebel. And I said, brother, <clears throat> can, can you take these few passages and go home and read them and kind of rethink this, you know? And then he came back a week later and said, no, her name's not Jezebel. Her name is Elizabeth. <laughs> I said, that's better. <laughs> Names meant something. And usually a name was given to a child either in testimony of what was happening in the life of that child. Many times the name was given by God himself. Sometimes the name was given in, in prophecy of, of God's uh, plan for that person. Or sometimes it was given in, in a description of what was that person like. Like Jacob, liar, cheat, supplanter. The Bible doesn't tell us why. Who doesn't have a story? I don't, I don't know most of you here. I know some of you. But who does not have a story? Imagine his friends. Hey, uh, Davis. I mean, like, what's with the name? You know what I mean? Like, and I think Davis, because... Again, remember, he said, the Bible says that he was more prosperous that in spite of the name that his mom had given him, in spite of what had been going on in his family, in spite of the grief, in spite of the sorrow, God began to bless Jabez. And he, he became a contradiction of, what his, of the name that he carried. And so I think that when, when, um, when they were, hey, Jabez, what's with the name? I think he'd say something like, oh, mama, you know, she, she had a headache. <laughs> Something like that, you know? I like that story uh, that the brother Tommy uh, tells about this, uh, this young man who had a, a speech impediment. Please don't uh, misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not mocking. It's just an illustration. But he, he couldn't speak well. He stuttered. And he, had, he had allowed this, this speech impediment to to bother him all his life. He, he, he never could reach his potential because he was so conscious of this problem. And one day God spoke to him and, and he just decided that he was not going to let this bother him anymore. And he was going to do away with it and he, he was going to begin to seek what God could do. And so he goes to this bookstore. And the first thing he does, he goes to the owner and he says, can you give me a job? And the owner was so, you know, he, he was so moved. And, 
He, he didn't want to make him feel bad and say, what in the world could I have this guy do for me, you know, with that problem he has? And, and then so all of a sudden it occurred to him. And he said, uh, uh, can, can do anything. So he got five Bibles, and he says, look, let's, let's start here. Take these five Bibles and sell these Bibles for me, and then come back and we'll talk. So he gave him the five Bibles, came back in about half an hour. And he said, I need five more. He had sold the five Bibles. And so he said, he gave him another five Bibles, and he came back half an hour. He says, I need five more. He says, wait a minute. I've been here an hour. I haven't sold ten Bibles. How in the world did you sell ten Bibles? And he says, easy. I told people, the Bible, the Word of God. You want to buy it or you want me to read it for you? You know, I love people that not, are not always having a purity party about their situation. They're not always whining. They're not always giving an excuse about their past and their parents and their situation and their circumstance. Who doesn't have a story? And then the Bible tells us here the reason why things turn out different for Jabez. First of all, the Bible says that he called on the God of Israel. And it specifies the God of Israel because there is only one true God. Amen. The God of Israel. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard, you know, messages titled uh, Jabez's Prayer and, and the whole thing. And, and definitely that, that is what marked the difference is that he went to God. Is that he called on the God of Israel. He got a hold of the God of Israel. more than anything else that you will ever need is God's presence in your life. And that'll make the difference of everything. We talk a lot about prayer. There's lessons about prayer. There's studies about prayer. There's uh, um, seminars on prayer. But the, the number one problem about prayer is that we don't pray. We don't know how to pray. Romans chapter 8 tells us that we don't know how to pray. We don't, uh, as we ought the Bible says we don't know how to pray. It's the Holy Spirit of God, our partner, amen, that intercedes for us with, with, with words unaudible. Nobody prays that is not a spirit-filled person. James uh, describes to us a non-praying Christian. The book of James was written to Christians, and listen to what he says about non-praying Christians. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust, you have not, ye killed and you desire to have, and cannot retain, ye fight and you war, yet you have not because you ask not. There's context in, in, in what he said when he said the reason why you don't have, you, you're, you're envious, you kill, you, uh, you struggle, you wrestle, you have problems with other people because you want what you don't have. You're consumed by your desires and your lust. That sounds like an unhappy Christian to me. When you learned that there's a God in heaven that hears and answers prayer, I learned that very early in my life. I have seen the Lord do things. You need him more than you need 
trying to get somebody's influence in high places. I have a, a uncle who's a ex-retired brigadier general of the Mexican army. And so he gave me his card. He says, son, I know you travel a lot in the country. You ever need anything, give me a call. I, I got his card. I, I've never called him. I have influences in higher places. Amen. Let me ask you, how, how is your prayer life? How is your prayer life? Well, I'm kind of weak. No, you're not. You know that it's not strong people that pray? In fact, the reason why you don't pray is because that's the way you perceive yourself. It's not strong people that pray. Somebody came to me, Pastor, I'm just, I'm just not a very strong Christian. I, that's why I don't pray. No, that's not why, not, why you don't pray. You don't, you don't pray because you're, you're, you're not strong. You pray because you think you're strong. Let me tell you who prays. The weak pray. Oh, wait a minute. This, this is a Baptist college. There, there are no weak people here. I mean, we live in a day, and please don't, don't fall into this trap. Please do not be like this. We, we think above ourselves. We, we think ourselves above things. And that's why the enemy gets a hold of us and catches us by surprise. I mean, we're like Peter, you know, you know, the Lord told Peter, Peter, the devil, I mean, he, he wants to sift you as wheat. And, 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 you know, Peter, not even when the Lord told him what he told him about himself, did he believe it. See, the thing is not, not that you don't know your, your limitations. God knows our limitations. He knows who we are. And the ones that get a hold of God are the ones that see the need of getting a hold of God. You don't pray not because you're not strong. You don't pray because you don't understand your need of Him. You don't understand that we're weak and that aside from Him and apart from Him, we can do zero. I said zero. Nothing. Nothing. Sometimes somebody in a lesson or uh, some session at a pastor's conference will give me a subject how this, how that. There's a place for that, but I kind of, you know, the how-tos. Everybody does it different, Doc. I mean, nobody, you know, every, you know Brother, Brother Cordova, he doesn't do it like Brother Ramos, and Brother Ramos does it, doesn't do it like Brother Ashcraft, and, and nobody does it like Kevin Wynn. I mean, there's nobody. The guy's, the guy's nuts, you know? But I'll tell you what's the difference. The one common denominator is God's hand on every one of these men. He called on the God of Israel. And then look at what he asked of him. He said, oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. He's not just talking about a blessing. He says, I, I want a blessing indeed. I, I want a real blessing. See, there's a difference between, between what we believe is a blessing and what we perceive is a blessing and what this world tells us is to be blessed. Every one of us here, if you're a child of God, you're already blessed beyond measure. See, the, re the, the, the problem is, is that we perceive blessing most of the time under the value system that this world holds. 
people come in church and say, hey, preacher, God bless me. I got a raise. Hey, pastor, God bless me. We just bought a new house. Hey, God bless me, pastor. Did you see my new car? Let me tell you, the nature of God's blessings, for the most part, they have nothing to do with the scene. Did you hear what I just said? They have nothing to do with the scene. Bible says in Ephesians that now, now, and you, when he gave you and me life, he, he made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now when I get to heaven, right now, right now, I am blessed now. Because not everything that we perceive to be a blessing is a blessing. And Jabez says, I, I don't want, want to just be blessed. I, I want a real blessing. I want a blessing indeed. And then the third thing that he, it says here is that he asked, and, and if you would enlarge my coast. And I, I oh, no wonder it went so well. He got, he, he got into real estate, man. I heard that gives pretty good money. That's not what it says. There was an allotment that, that God gave to every tribe of Israel. And God's people were very conscious of the inheritances of God and what came from God. Let me tell you what he was saying. He said, Lord, I don't want to miss out on anything that you have for me. I know the home I was born into. I know the name that my mama gave me. And again, hey, Jabez, what's, what's with the name? <laughs> my mama, she had a headache. And she, she herself began to see a contradiction of whatever she had been going through that moved her to put this name on this child because God began to bless Jabez. He had brothers. And he says he was more honorable than his brother. And, and, and the contradiction and the contrast was so obvious because it, it, it may very well be that everybody in society knew what was going on. The Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't give us a, a, a vivid or, or, or a detailed description of what was going on in that family. But it, everybody must have known. And they probably said, well, that Jabez man, that poor Jabez man, he's, he'll probably end up being a loser. And I think that Javis got a hold of God and he says, I, I know the home I was born into. I know the sorrow and the grief of my family and my mom. I, I know the name that was given to me. I know that everybody in the world thinks that I would never amount to anything or that I would be a loser. But God, I don't want what this world says was, is going to happen with me or what I will be. I want what you have for me. Paul said this, he says, I, I, there's one thing I do. I press forward, there's, there's, there's a reason of why I do this. I want to apprehend the reason of why I was apprehended of God. Paul said, I have gotten, been, gotten a hold of, of God and I want to know why God got a hold of me. God has a plan for you. The Bible says we are his workmanship. The, the Greek word there means a masterpiece. A work of art. And the Bible says that that's what he has made you and wants to make of you. You are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And the Bible says there is a path that beforehand he has ordained so that you can walk on it. 
So either you listen to the people around you, or you listen to the accuser of the brethren, who's the devil, or you pity, have a pity party about your past and your circumstances and your mama and your daddy and how you were poor or how uh, you, you went through this tragedy and this crisis. And I, I don't make less of any of that. I, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some serious traumas that, that some of you have been through. But I'm here to tell you that there's a God in heaven. And that the story that everybody thinks is going to end up being your story doesn't have to be that way. If you let God paint the picture of your life, you will be a masterpiece. You'll be a work of art. And so Jabez says, I I know what people expect, but I want what you have for me. And I don't want to miss out on one single thing. Don't let petty desires make you end up like Esau. Who live for the temporary, the quick fix, the quick thrill. And the Bible says when he realized what he had lost, even though he sought it with tears, it was too late. Young people, let me tell you something. We have a forgiving God who is full of grace. You do stupid things, he'll forgive you. But there's some things that if you do, you'll never be able to change them or repair them the rest of your life. You will have his forgiveness, but you may very, very well cancel all kinds of blessings that he had for you. Young lady, you lose your virginity, you can't get that back. Did you hear what I just said? God will forgive you. His grace will be there, but you'll never get that back. By the way, there's not a double standard. God expects young men to be just as holy. And then Jabez said, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. I love that. He didn't say, hey, Lord, can you kind of fix it so nothing bad happens to me? I had a young man saying, preacher, I want to serve God with all my heart. One thing I don't want is problems. I tell him, you know what, go, go sell insurance. Go sell shoes. Go, uh, you know, Join the Marines, something. No, no, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Look. Javis basically said this. I've known sorrow all of my life. And perhaps more will be coming my way. And God, I ask you this. When it comes, don't let it stop me. Don't let it stop me. Whatever comes, don't let it stop me. And by the way, without him, you and I are cowards. I said, without him, you and I are cowards. The Bible says that Paul didn't want to just finish his race. He wanted to finish it with joy. I mean, you can almost tell somebody who's been serving God a long time, he never smiles. Amen. <laughs> if somebody says to me, preacher, after 40 years, you want more? Yes. Yes, it's a blessing to live for the Lord. It's a blessing to serve Him. And I, I live in expectation of what's coming up ahead. And you know why I'm thrilled about all this and so excited about Jesus after all this time of serving and preaching? Because I've never had a problem in my life. Yeah, right. You see, 
If he's with you, nothing else matters. I don't lose a lot of sleep over things. Well, you know, you get older, and some of you older guys know you don't sleep, period. <laughs> and, but I, you know, I, I sleep. People sometimes say, well, you know, we preach with all that pressure and the ministries and this and that. How do you sleep? I said, I, you know, I, sometimes I, I sleep on my side or my belly. I just, I sleep, man. Just, I sleep. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. The Hebrew expression means let it go. Let it go. Stop thinking too much of yourself. Give it to me. Let me just give you one last piece of advice. Most of everything, God will take care of it. You put your hands on it, you mess it up. Let it go. And you'll find out the God that I am. And I've lived by that. And our church is blessed, and, and boy, I don't know what's coming up ahead, but I am with Javis. Javis, ask the Lord, whatever comes, don't let it stop me. Don't let it stop me. No problem being in the lion's den if the Lord is with you. No problem in being in a fiery furnace. Listen to me, there's no problem being in a fiery furnace if the fourth one has a likeness of the Son of God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your situation, your circumstance, the problem, the danger. Nothing matters. The only thing that matters is that God is with us. And you assure that and secure that more than anything else in your life. And one day, people will say, hey, remember that guy, that goofball? Preacher, you know this. And I, I want to be careful because his daughter's here, but Kevin Wynn walked around these halls. Everybody thought he was a crazy nut, and, and they were right. A goofball. Whoever thought he'd be pastoring the greatest Baptist church in the world? In the world. I'm not talking about the Spanish-speaking world. I mean, what, it's raining 12, 13,000? Unbelievable. God had a plan. And God has a plan for you. I'm going to ask that you stand. Everyone's standing. I'm going to leave the invitation to the pastor.